Welcome in to the third episode of Expand On That. I've got a very special guest this week, kind of rounding out the Boston 25 sports crew, one and only Butch Stearns. You How know, you don't butter me up, Austin. I have On to one hand, up. it's the third episode. I'm trying to figure out if I'm honored or insulted that it took three episodes no, for you to get me on. You're on the historic third episode. Think about that. Oh, it's historic now. It is historic because you're on it. That's how this has got to work. You got to view it positive. You can't look See, at, oh, I wasn't on the last two. I, I, I'm, I'm impressed, you know, for your young age, wisdom is setting in for you. That's how it is. I mean, I just graduated. That's how now all that wisdom is just like there. Well, that comes you know from I mean? debt, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get this expensive piece of paper and I'm all of a sudden the most wise Congratulations, person in the by the way. Thank you very much. Congrats on your graduation whenever that would have been. That was 1982 from Stonehill yeah. College. I was negative another, 14 years old. So. Another lifetime ago. <laughs> well, thank you for the congrats. Um, we're going to dive in here right off the bat. Sure. Uh, Celtics. How about how about this series with the Cavs right now? I mean, no one gave them a shot beforehand, and now you're looking at game one up 25, 28 points at a time, and you're just rolling right through. What are your thoughts on this series as a whole right now? Well, my thoughts, I'm going to turn it around to you because I've seen so much playoff basketball and kind of grew up in the bird era and was fortunate enough to do that that I'm just curious how you feel. I mean, here as we're taping this, it's after game one. They dominated that game. Um, but I think, as we all know, game one means just that. It's one game. Yeah. Um, I, but you can't help but be excited, so why not? What are your thoughts about this series? I mean, it's tough to get excited when you've got LeBron James on the other end, and you see every week, it's kind of, or every year, it seems like you have this doubt set in that maybe it's not the same thing with Tom Brady that you see with the Patriots. Maybe every year that it's not going to be the same thing. And here we are. LeBron James could easily come back on his own right now and just dominate this series. So I'm there's still got to be some nerves on the Celtics end, no matter what happened in Game One. From a fan's perspective, or the players, both. You think I mean, both? Yeah. I mean, you can't sit here and just think LeBron James is going to roll over after a Game One loss like that. It's just it motivates him even more. And if you're a fan looking at it, you have to remember it's LeBron James, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, on the other end. See, what I love about a series like this and about this Celtics team and about this run is that history will tell us when you look back how good Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and even Marcus Smart and others really are. Like we kind of know what Al Horford is. We kind of know what Marcus Morris is, although he's never really been in this position before. And so when we see these guys now, they might just be really good. So that's one thing, right? So while you're in the middle of it, you're not sure. And that's what I think makes this fun. So while there are nerves, and while I asked you about whether it's the fans or the players, I think it is both. I agree with you. But I think from a fan's perspective, you have to remind yourself to really enjoy this. Why worry about the fact that you're playing LeBron James? Yes, he could win the next four games and this series could be over, but they're playing with house money anyway. Now, from the player's perspective, I've, that's what I really find interesting. If you're Jason Tatum, if you're Jalen Brown, right? Don't if you're Marcus Smart, don't you really want this? I mean, don't you want to face LeBron James? Don't you want to face Tom Brady? Don't you want to find out what you're made of? So to me, that's what makes this really fun to watch and really fun to see. You know, they don't really care about playing with house money. They got a lot of confidence. They think they can beat anybody. And they're nine and zero at home, Austin. They haven't lost at home. Not every team can say that in the playoffs. Yeah, and to beat the what is it? To beat the man, you got to beat the man. That's what I was talking about with Tom right. last week. You got to you got to play LeBron and beat him to just know what you're getting yourself into every year. Well, so. and here's another point about that. LeBron's got to be loving this too. Yeah, he really does. I mean, I, I sat there after the game, uh, game one, and 
and all our duties for, for Boston 25. And I, I got to the podium right as LeBron was getting to the podium. And I watched everybody genuflecting and asking him the questions. And he sat there confidently, like he should, because he's been around and saw everything. And Steve Bullpett of the Boston Herald asked him the question, you know, what's your level of concern? He said, I have no level of concern. But I, but I bet you he does have a level of concern. But he knows that what he says is going to get dissected, put into the meat grinder. Everybody around the country is there. It's the final four of the NBA. So he's showing a vote of confidence. But I got to believe that he's got to challenge his teammates because he doesn't know. He hasn't been through the wars with most of these guys. Most of these guys, besides Kevin Love and, and J.R. Smith, were traded to this team and Tristan Thompson, uh, bef- you know, at the All-Star break this year. So while he says he has zero level of concern, I bet he's got a lot of concern, a lot of concern. But do you think, I mean, you still have, like you said, those guys like J.R. Smith, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, Kyle Korver is another one that's kind of stuck out to me that like I feel like he should be playing better as kind of this like secret weapon against the Celtics as everyone's focused on LeBron. Do you think there's more of an issue there that we're not seeing that like these players just aren't stepping up. It's not the new people. It's the older guys that it's the problem. It's a good point. Um, I mean, when you shoot whatever it was, four for 26, I think, for three-pointers in game one, you got to point to Corver and Kevin Love because they are in, in the – they are a key to this series for LeBron. If they're not getting their shots and hitting their shots, which can be tied in because a lot of the shots they took were contested shots instead of wide-open shots, and that I credit more to Brad Stevens' defense than I do to Tyrone Lue's offense. But LeBron's smart, and he'll figure that out. So do I blame the older guys or the new guys? I mean, it's a combination of both. It's everybody but LeBron. LeBron's smart enough to know that this Celtics team is young enough led by young enough guys that they don't really care that they're young. As Bill Parcells once famously said about rookies or young guys, they don't know what they don't know yet. And if you think about that statement, it's pretty profound. Jason Tatum doesn't know enough to be intimidated or scared yet. He just doesn't know. As a matter of fact, he was asked about that. How'd you feel? Ooh, that was LeBron James out there. He goes, you know, honestly, I felt that way the first time I played against him. But not the second or third time. It started to wear off, and now we don't care. And they don't. So I think it's a combination of the everybody around LeBron, whether it's the young guys or the old guys, to answer your question directly. They need to get something besides that. But here's the fun part. LeBron, by himself, we've seen it before, could still take this series over, even without help, if he puts everybody on his back. Yeah. What do you see as the future of this series? I mean, at this point, when this all kind of winds down, where do you see this heading? The future of this series is how good the Celtics can defend everybody else but LeBron. I don't see LeBron winning this by himself, and I think if you sort of play some games here, let's play this game. Take LeBron out of this series. Take him off the Cavs roster. I think you get a picture that the Celtics roster is a better roster than Cleveland's right now. They've played together longer. Their coach is a better coach, I think. Um, And, again, they've got playoff experience. This group now, without Kyrie, they're 9-0 at home. They've won a playoff game on the road. So, um, I think when you look at it, the future of this series is based mostly on the Celtics' defense. Uh, because the Celtics' offense has been as consistent as any team in the NBA in this postseason. It really has. Here's the most encouraging thing to me. They won game one in a blowout, and Jason Tatum was really a non-factor offensively. Yeah, Brad He's been Stevens there. was saying they had to play better after the press conference. I think they do. Yeah. I think Jason Tatum was their, has been their best offensive player. So I think the future of this series is um, Celtics' defense. 
All right, perfect. Well, right now, I know we had no in-depth segment last week because we had a special episode last Friday of Sports In-Depth. Uh, I want to take a quick little break to listen to Tom Lydon's story on a photographer, Steve Babineau. It was a great story last week, so uh, take a little listen here, and we'll come back and talk about Butch's story as well right after. Steve Babineau can talk your ear off. He is overflowing with stories. And if ever you want to hear stories from someone, it's Steve Babineau. He's been the Bruins team photographer since the 1970s when Bruins coach Don Cherry was impressed by some of Steve's photos and called him to his office, a place that Steve had never been before. I remember that day going to those hallowed doors and looking at it and then pushing the door open and the office was right here. I see this newspaper feet up on the desk, bathrobe, and it's Don Cherry and I go, Coach, I think you wanted to see me? Who are you? I go, I'm Steve Babineau. Well, by golly, paper comes down, bathrobe opens up, hand comes out. I just want to thank you for those pictures down in the Boards and Blades Club. You captured my team in a way that I just, it's unbelievable. With that, Steve Babineau had the keys to the castle. And what he did with those keys over the next four decades was find every nook and cranny of Boston Garden, then TD Garden, to deliver some of the most unique and historic images in Boston sports history. Playing the game in anticipation in a manual focus. You know, I tell a story that I remember getting my first 300 2.8 lens. That's the fastest lens in the world you could buy at that time. I would take my lunch on the side of 128 and pan cars going left to right because my position at the garden was in the penalty box with no glass. Just to get the focus down, the feel, the feel. Babs became entrusted, a part of the storytelling as valuable as video. Do you get a different sense of responsibility when you see that you're the person who ultimately is chronicling what's happening on the ice? That kind of hit me when the NHL in 2007 made that decision to control all the photography and they singled me out, you know, knowing that I had 35 years of the game and asked me if I would seriously consider moving my archive to the National Hockey League. Well, sitting upstairs and sitting up there for five months while I sorted out my collection and I'm going back through old photos and seeing Joe Sackick wearing number like 88 for the Quebec Nordiques. That was his first NHL game against the Boston Bruins. Seeing Ray Bork in his first game. Seeing Bobby Orr in his last game. It's like, whoa, okay, this is pretty cool. Steve was sucked into the world of hockey and lived the hockey life at close range. But it was baseball that had his heart from an early age. And his 40 years of baseball coverage is what he's celebrating this spring. As he touts his new Red Sox book, The Hometown Team, he's touring the region with colleague Mike Shalin, sharing stories with fans and passing on what he's learned behind the glass, on the court, and in the ballpark. You've clearly got a love for hockey. What's different or what do you like about baseball? Well, I played baseball. So, I mean, I wanted to be a baseball player. I think I had the talent to be a baseball player and I got hurt. So, you know, that was my dream to play. But... Playing the game and watching the game is totally different. Your mind is thinking in a different pattern when you're playing the game and when you're photographing the game or watching the game, it's, it sometimes can get boring. Shooting the game from the first base pit or the third base pit, I could do that for two or three innings and then I got bored with it and I wanted to move around. I just wanted to move around and I know my colleagues sometimes, where's, where's Babs, where's Babs? Well, Babs is out on the Green Monster, Babs is up in the roof, Babs is over here. And I just felt that I didn't want to be repetitive. Repetitive, almost unfathomable. A mind that broad cannot be pigeonholed. He bleeds passion 
and naturally, that passion was passed on to his children, some of whom have carried the photography torch and run with it. It's become like a legacy, you know, with the Babineau family, because my dad's been doing it for like 45 years. He's seen a lot of games, he's shot a lot of players, and for me to say that I've been doing it for 25 years now, it's we've, the, between the two of us, we've been doing this for a long time. I knew that I had some talent from the get-go at 15 years old when he had to cover the sporting news and the hockey news and the EA Sports video game. I said, okay, maybe I got something here. I think he recognized very early on that I had a talent for photography and, and he kind of took advantage of it. So the legacy lives on. And while Steve is watching his kids succeed, and he was recently honored by the Bruins for four decades of work, he's not ruling himself out of the game just yet. As long as these are still working, why would I not want to continue to, to, to keep shooting pictures? Welcome back in. Uh, that was a great story you just heard from Tom Lydon, but we have another man here with a great story that he had featured on Sports In Depth. Uh, Butch Stearns talking about a uh, little rugby team action going on. So if you want to just explain what that story is briefly and kind of how you came about it last week. Well, let me start general about in depth, and I think it'll lead us right to um, the Blue Hills rugby story. You know, one of the fun parts about this series, this Boston Sports In-Depth series that we're doing, and we've done six episodes now, i got to give full credit to Tom. This was really his baby, his brainchild. When he came to us, my first thought was, ooh, it's going to be a lot of work. But my second thought was, well, you know what? Instead of jamming a story into a minute and a half, we get to let these stories breathe. And these stories have come our way in the business forever. And oftentimes you don't really get time to do justice to a story like this. So to have this platform, to be able to do it, it's great. That's number one. Number two, um, we got great numbers on this last special. And the numbers don't necessarily mean everything. But what it says to me is people are starting to watch. We're pushing it out on all platforms. We're telling stories that people care about, and it's a lot of fun. And that leads to your question about where did this story come from? You know, I pride myself on my relationships, and I know Tom does too, and here in Boston being born and raised here, you know, I kind of know everybody at the Garden at Fenway and Foxborough and go around, and people will tell you stuff. Hey, I've got a book coming out. Would you mind, you know, giving me a little publicity? Hey, i got a great story for you. And then you find stories that are just great stories. So the Blue Hills rugby story is like that. The Steve Babineau story is like that. Steve Babineau I've known forever. He's one of these people that everybody that goes to the Garden has known forever or been around Boston sports. And he's been telling me for about three or four months he's got a book coming out. And I said, yeah, we'll do something. We'll do something. And then he was asking about it. And I was focused on this rugby story. Tom was actually looking for a story for this episode. I said, you know what, Tom, why don't you do the Steve Babineau story? Here's the nuts and bolts. So I introduced him to Steve. We worked as a team to get the interviews done. Tom went and interviewed Steve, and he got that done. The Blue Hills rugby story, my youngest daughter goes to Blue Hills. She's taking nursing. Her name's Victoria. Um, vocational schools are a very interesting story in itself, considering that you're learning a trade in this day and age. Uh, to me, I grew up in the trades. My dad was a stonemason. But if you learn a trade, you could be so far ahead of the game. It's just a very interesting story, the school itself. The kids do one week of shop, then they do one week of school. And from an athletic perspective, uh, there was this woman, Tina Fagan, who reached out to me by email uh, because I used to run into her at Dunkin' Donuts all the time. Her son plays on the rugby team. And she said, this is a great story. You should look into it. And I did. And then came the challenge of any storyteller. I was like, okay, so they got a blue a rugby team at Blue Hills. Well, why should that be interesting? Well, I kind of broadened it. I started to realize that rugby 
It's not a sport that everybody knows a lot about, number one. Number two, it's not a sport that's played in high school. As a matter of fact, the MIAA just came out this year and finally officially recognized rugby as a varsity sport, and Blue Hills was one of the few schools. And then I learned the people behind the scenes were a great story. Matt Civic, the coach, loves rugby. He sort of has played it his whole life. He's coached it. He's sort of, his passion has endeared himself to these kids, and he's built a program there. And how he had to sell it to the administration and get the support was a really cool thing. So it was fun. That's the fun part about being a storyteller and diving into this. You go in with an open mind. You kind of know what the story is on the surface, but you go in trying to learn things. And I learned a lot about it, and I learned that um, it can be interesting to anybody who's involved in high school sports because they've all gone through some of these things, trying to build a program, trying to support a program, trying to have your kids play it. Rugby, you know, every parent, that every kid that I talked to, their mother said the same thing. You're playing football without pads? No, you're not. (laughs) But then you learn about rugby, and the concussion rate is a lot lower in rugby because they teach them how to tackle, which is now being adopted in the NFL right now, the rugby style, right, of tackling without the head. So, you know, I was long-winded on that, but to me this story was a fun way to fit into what we're trying to do within depth. Uh, And then also with these stories, as you know, Austin, we put it on the web right away. We put it out on all our social platforms here at Boston 25, but we immediately, when the story airs, have a link to a story and a web story with the video attached that we send out to people, and it spreads like wildfire, and it helps us get the numbers and the eyeballs and the viewers and the sharing and and um, interest in the story that we want. Yeah, and that's the fun part about doing in-depth. That's the fun part about this. Yeah. Is uh, just expanding, expanding on these topics. Expand right. on that. That's in the name right there, but... Was this one of the most fun stories you'd say you've done so far out of the six episodes? Yeah, because, again, it was a little bit of a challenge. When when people present you with a story, you're like, okay, from doing it all these years, you kind of say, okay, you think from a viewer's perspective. You think, well, what are they going to be interested in? How do I make this interesting? Oftentimes you get a story where the hard part is what to leave out. And with this one, it was like, okay, well, what's going to be interesting? So this was one of the most fun because... Of the people. It really is. You get to know these people and they kind of sold it themselves. You know, um, to hear them talk about being proud, to hear the players on this current team talk about how proud they are and to end the story with two of the players saying, I want to come back and I want to be part of helping this program grow to something special. And they, they understand they're in the beginning stages of building something that could in, turn into something special. And I was part of that when I was at Stonehill College. I ended up being a captain, one of the four captains my senior year of the football team. They have a, um, a bustling Division II football program now there that in the 80s, the late 70s and 80s, years and years ago, me and my friends helped start as a club football team with our coach Vern Laws that we helped get in the Hall of Fame and I have lifelong friendships because of it and I look back on that and I was proud to play my small part in helping build Stonehill football into what it is today. Perfect. All right. Well, you can check out that story and every in-depth story at that matter uh, on boston25news.com. I want to thank you for coming on and taking the time out. This was awesome. Obviously, historic third episode. Like yeah, so so mine was historic, even though I was number three. Yeah. All right. Every I, episode right. can be historic. We'll try to make it historic. Yeah, you just got to be positive about it all. But <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Um, like I said, you can find all this stuff and a lot more on Boston25news.com. They do some great sports stuff. Butch Tom, 
uh, myself. I'll pat myself on the back there. But You should, Austin. Yeah. You're kicking butt already. Thanks. Um, make sure to follow our podcast account on Twitter at ExpandOnThat25. You can follow myself at DABumpus17. Butch, where can they find you? At Butch Stearns on Twitter. If you want to email us with a story, it's Butch.Stearns, S-T-E-A-R-N-S. So Butch.Stearns at Cox, Inc., And that's all our emails here. First name dot last name at coxinc.com. Send us an email uh, with a story idea. We'll always get back to you. All right, perfect. Well, thanks for coming on, like I said. And uh, hope you guys have a great week. And thank you for listening. All right, Austin.